If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia gusokumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Hey, everybody. Uh, Dylan here. So before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to say that this one is a little bit special, and it's special for a couple of reasons. One, it's a subject matter that I just care about and I'm interested in. It's about parenting and intentional communities. And two, because it was made in collaboration with one of my all-time favorite podcasts, Freakonomics. And so this show actually aired as part of one of their larger episodes. If you are new to the show, if you've come here from Freakonomics, welcome. We have many, many things to show you, so many wonders to share with you. Uh, We hope you stay and check out some of the other stories. All right, let's get to it. In southern Turkey, there's an archaeological site called Çatalhöyük. Çatalhöyük is over 9,000 years old, and it has one massive structure where a bunch of people lived. The structure's roof was a shared collective space, essentially one big community-wide living room that had holes with ladders leading down into individual dwellings. Those individual units were presumably for individual families. Except that when archaeologists actually looked at the bones... The thing that shocked them was that the people that were buried in the hearth were not biologically related to each other. They were not blood-related kin. That's Kristen Godsey. She's an ethnographer and a professor at the University of Pennsylvania and an author of a new book called Everyday Utopia, what 2,000 years of wild experiments can teach us about the good life. And so suddenly we began to understand that our definition of family, of what constitutes family, doesn't apply in this era. The book's main premise is that the nuclear family, like the one I have, me, my wife Michelle, our two kids, is pretty new in the grand scheme of things. When we look back historically, what we see is that many other models of the family exist. 
to the extent that we can say that anything is quote unquote natural, the nuclear family is totally an aberration. My family and I, we certainly have the two parent privilege that Melissa Carney was talking about earlier in this episode. And honestly, it is hard to imagine life without it because even though in many ways our, our home life is wonderful, at times it is just still really, really hard. Like even with two adults around all of the time, how are we supposed to handle all of it? People say it takes a village because it does. What Kristen and I both wonder, since the nuclear family is relatively new, anthropologically speaking, is it really just about adding parents in general? If there is a two-parent privilege, is there a three-parent privilege or a four-parent privilege? How far can you take it? As it turns out, there's an intentional community in rural central Virginia called Twin Oaks that has been testing this premise for decades that maybe three or four or more parental figures are even better than two. As you make your way down the main road to Twin Oaks, there's a storage barn, a grape arbor, a large vegetable garden. There's a swimming pond and an old dairy barn that has been converted into a recycling center. The whole place kind of feels like a big summer camp for adults. My whole adult life, I've known that I wanted to have kids. And early on in my stay at Twin Oaks, I was like, this is the place to do it. This is Adder Oaks. And yes, his last name is a tribute to this place that he loves. It's a name I took after living here a while. So Adder Oaks is like my, my hippie name. Twin Oaks was started in 1967 by a group of people studying psychologist B.F. Skinner's book, Walden Two. The book describes a fictional behaviorist community that became the model for Twin Oaks. Outer has lived at Twin Oaks for 13 years. He is a teacher and a parent to two children, ages 7 and 12. And a big reason he loves it here has to do with how the community goes about childcare, which is shared among community members. At any given time, Twin Oaks has about 100 residents, usually about 85 adults to around 15 kids. We don't want to have the ratio of children go higher than that. And that is written into our policy. There are seven large housing buildings at Twin Oaks, each with somewhere between 12 and 20 bedrooms housing multiple families. People live collectively in these houses. In addition to parents, children also have what are known as primaries. Basically, they're just other adults in the community with whom they have a primary relationship. Primaries will say, I'm interested in doing childcare work and being a part of your child's life. Kim Brooks is a writer and a mother. And during the pandemic, she got really curious about Twin Oaks. She ended up spending some time there to write an article for New York Magazine, which included this idea of primaries, a larger set of adults helping raise your kids. When it starts out, it might just look like some babysitting. But then as the child grows, it could be education, like tutoring. It could be just like mentorship, friendship. Residents of Twin Elks say it is not unusual for a kid and one of their primaries to have a really strong bond to the point where the primary is essentially like a third or fourth parent. And Kim says even when it's not that extreme, it's just still really helpful to the parents. Things... As mundane as like 
going to eat dinner and they're always being someone else who will hold the baby or play with the toddler while you eat your meal. I mean, that resonated for me. Like, why go and sit down at the dinner table or go out to dinner because I'm not going to be able to eat? That kind of thing just isn't an issue. All of this sounds really, really familiar to me, probably familiar to a lot of people. Just that sense of not having enough hands. Of course, there are plenty of families who live near other relatives. There are step-parents, there are godparents, aunts, uncles, neighbors, family, friends. But the thing that makes Twin Oaks so different is that people aren't being asked to be parents or aunts in their spare time. Taking care of kids together is actually built into the economic DNA of the community. Here is how Twin Oaks actually works. It really is a commune in that everything is shared. Income is shared. Work is shared. Decision-making is shared. Everyone at Twin Oaks works about 42 hours a week at one of a handful of different businesses run collectively by the community members. They make hammocks, they make tofu, they make and sell organic seeds. Everyone does their 42 hours of work. That, again, is Adder Oaks. And in return, the community is providing all of your material needs. You know, we get Food, housing, health care, plus 100 bucks a month free spending money. So it's not like people are working and getting a paycheck and then handing it over to the community. In general, it's people working in the businesses that the community owns. And that just, you know, counts as your labor quota and then goes into the common pot. And for people with kids, there's one other key difference here. When you have a child, the time you're spending with your kids counts towards your work quota. So it's not like you go and you work on the farm for 42 hours, and then you also have to figure out how to care for your kids. That's right. At Twin Oaks, the time you spend raising your kids, teaching them, cleaning up after them, cooking for them, that all counts towards your work hours. 18 of my 42 hours each week, I claim for taking care of my own children. And here's the other thing about Twin Oaks. It's not just the parents who get to allocate some of those weekly hours towards raising their kids. The other adults, the primaries in these kids' lives, the time they spend helping parent other people's children also counts towards their weekly work commitment. We do lose economic efficiency, but the advantage that we get, I think, is a much better work-life balance Still, money does matter. The community's businesses have to survive for the commune to thrive. And when a child is born in Twin Oaks, that means multiple adults are going to put in fewer weekly hours at the tofu factory or the seed exchange. And that brings us to something that makes people uneasy about Twin Oaks. You cannot just have kids whenever you want. We have a whole process for applying to have a kid at Twin Oaks, which a lot of people find very surprising. But, you know, the justification for it is an economic one. You know, it's like we are all dedicated to the child rearing. The application process requires prospective parents to complete a certain number of childcare hours so that they can just get a sense of what it's like to have a kid and to talk with recent parents about what they wish they had known before having kids. 
Residents say that outsiders make much too big a deal of this. Permission has almost never been denied. Even so, the process can feel a little unsettling. Well, this all might sound like a pretty radical way to go about having and raising kids, the community actually started off with a more extreme childcare model. In the earlier days of Twin Oaks, kids did not go home to their parents at night. Instead, they slept all together in this shared supervised building. It was communal child rearing. Kristen Godsey again. Communal sleeping was a disaster, especially when they're very little. They need to have those secure attachments. Parents at Twin Oaks wanted support in raising their kids, but they also wanted their kids to be their kids, to come home at night. And so in the late 1980s, Twin Oaks got rid of the totally communal approach. This shift at Twin Oaks was very similar to what happened at Kibbutzim in Israel. These shared agricultural communities also took a totally communal approach to child rearing before shifting in the 80s to giving parents a greater role. At Kibbutzim and at Twin Oaks, community members landed on something a little more familiar to people who grew up in the mainstream. Kim Brooks, the writer who visited Twin Oaks, calls it nuclear-ish family. There was never any, like, these children are the children of the community. There was no, like, indoctrination of, you are only the children, you know. It's not that weird. <laughs> this is Devin Sproul. She grew up at Twin Oaks until she was 15 years old. When my mom and her girlfriend left, I remember my mom saying, I need to be able to go into my kitchen, clean it up, and know that it's going to be clean when I walk back in. Fair, fair, totally fair. Devin is now 41. She's a musician in Charlottesville, Virginia, not too far from where she grew up. And she's a mom herself. She did not go back to Twin Oaks to raise her daughter. But mostly because, like her own mom, she and her family just wanted a little more private space. But she is grateful to have grown up there. I got to do a lot of stuff with people who weren't parents but wanted to be with kids. That might be one of the core benefits and pleasures of being a kid at Twin Oaks. You get fresh adult energy all the time. There's always someone who has time for you. Do you ever wish like, man, I, I wish we had that communal parental help because this is just hard with the two of us or, or whatever? Dude. Don't you hearing about it? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't assume. But yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really hard out here to parent. I'm sure there are challenges to parenting at Twin Oaks. But I think the main thing is being around adults who are not super stressed out all the time. And even if they are stressed out, they're getting support from the people around them. The kids seem really happy, and the adults, you know, for the most part seem, I don't know, it seems like they're relatively able to be themselves, and that's kind of what you want in a parent, I think. Somebody who feels like they have purpose and space and time. Devin's dad still lives at Twin Oaks, and Devin goes back to visit every now and again. In fact, a lot of people from Twin Oaks have close friends and family who do not live there. Residents are sort of buffered from the outside world at Twin Oaks, but they're not isolated from it. People come and go freely. They have guests who stay with them. There's internet. There is Netflix. I think people like, when they hear that we live on a commune, they think hippies and drugs and stuff. And like, 
Sure, but it's also just like a normal place. Most people here are really normal people. We're not really normal people. (laughs) This is Zadok Goshal. He is 17. His parents live at Twin Oaks, and Adder, who we heard from earlier, is one of his primaries. Zadok's brother is 14-year-old Sam. Some of the, like, people who live in our house, they're almost just, like, more parents around. (laughs) Like Adder and then, like, one of my friends, Dad, Scott. Just, like, they've been around the entire time. In some ways, being a kid at Twin Oaks is another world. But in most others, it really is pretty normal. Kids have friends, they do odd jobs. Sam just started going to a nearby public school after being homeschooled at Twin Oaks. Mainly, he just wanted to hang out with more kids his own age. And they do typical kid things, like making movies. We were like, this scene is going to be inside an alien spaceship. Where can we shoot an alien spaceship? We have a tofu factory on our property. So we can go over there with tubes and stuff. (laughs) So we can go over there. And we had like a disco light. So it was like all (laughs) rainbow. It actually looked really sick. As stoked as Zadok is on tofu aliens, like any 17-year-old, he's also ready to get out of there. In his words, he's kind of done with living at Twin Oaks. He's going to take a gap year before heading off to college. But... He said he's not necessarily writing off the commune forever. Do you think when you are uh, adults or parents, you would want to raise kids or return to an environment like Twin Oaks, kind of a a more communal living style? I think if I was raising kids, definitely. At least for the first, like, 10 years of the kid's life. Definitely. I think so, yeah. Because there's just a lot of people around to like take care of us and I think Twin Oaks does better at like compensating for like taking care of young children than like a lot of mainstream jobs do. That's pretty much all you have to do here when you have young kids is take care of them. Here is what we don't know, at least not yet. We have tons of economic data about single and two-family households and some good evidence that multi-generational families do really well. But we know much less about these kinds of communal family arrangements, these nuclearish families. Kristen Godsey, author of Everyday Utopia, says that studies from the Israeli kibbutzim can give us some clues. We have very good evidence in the field of child psychology. There was one, I believe, done in 1994, which looked at 70 years of collective child rearing in in Israel and showed that, look, kids that are raised collectively, they do better in school. They're more socially adaptable. They have higher levels of self-esteem. Kristen's whole thing is that we're missing the forest for the trees. That this idea of sharing childcare responsibilities across multiple adults, whether it is extended multi-generational families, religious communities, or in a commune, that that has been the de facto arrangement for most of history. If you look at the empirical data, cross-culturally and trans-historically, this is a model that has always been around and it has always worked. My kids have the two-parent privilege. And I love being a parent. My wife loves being a parent. It is the center and greatest joy of our lives. But when I hear about Twin Oaks and this large extended community that supports and shares in the work of raising great kids together, 
that really does sound like a privilege. I just want to give a big thanks to Stephen Dubner and the whole Freakonomics team. We had a great time working on this episode. And if you're not already listening to Freakonomics, you absolutely should. It is one of the great podcasts. Just search for Freakonomics Radio in your podcast app. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Stitcher Studios. This episode was produced by Katie Thornton, Johanna Mayer. The production team includes Dylan Therris, Doug Baldinger, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Chris Naka. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There is a link in the episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clear skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clear skin at 16 weeks were still clear at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Decoder Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Decoder Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Decoder Ring, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one.